ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my woman. So when I was in high school, a junior, all of a sudden my best friend stopped talking to me. And I would call her house every day and she didn't answer. And I sort of was like, what did I do wrong? Why is she mad at me? And I would think about every minute we'd been together. Why was she so mad at me? Hmm. And then after about two weeks, she showed up at the pizza restaurant where I was working and she hands me this note and I open it up, this long note, da, 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 I love you. And I'm like, I love you too. Right? Like you might say to a friend, I love you too. And she looked at me and she said, no, care. I love you. And I could still feel the chills in my body because my 16-year-old self knew that this was something, but I didn't even know what. I didn't really know what was happening. And it was a long time, months of us talking and me being confused and understanding. And as we continued to talk, I discovered that I loved her too. Mm-hmm. And we went on to have the most beautiful relationship. I loved her so much. And at the same time, I was very confused about my sexuality. I wouldn't have said I was gay. I wouldn't have said I was lesbian. I wouldn't have even said I was bi. It just, that's who I was with. But at that time, no one, no one told anyone if they were dating someone of the same sex. It just, that was not discussed. And so there was a part of me that really wanted to go on dates. I wanted to go to homecoming with a boy. They didn't, we didn't go in groups. You wouldn't definitely not have gone with another girl. And part of me really wanted like the Sweet Valley High Cosmopolitan Magazine boy. And so I broke up with her to date boys. And it wasn't until many, many, many years later, after I married a man and then divorced him, that I really started to say, it's time I figured this out. What was that for me? Who am I? And I now am very clear that I'm a bisexual woman. I can love men. I can love women. I find both beautiful. And it took a long time for me to accept that. And as we're in the middle of June, it is so important to me that we have a conversation not just interviewing experts, but interviewing humans, people who have been on their own journey to truth. And so today is an incredibly special episode of the podcast. Today, I've brought in three of my friends. Three of my friends, all of us identify somewhere in the LGBTQAI plus sphere to just talk about our experiences. Because for you as you're listening, if this has ever been a question for you, I want you to know you're not alone. 
or if you have a child who is in this space of either confusion or clarity or experimentation and exploration, I want you to know that they are not alone and to open your heart. And that's really my goal here is that as you listen, your heart continues to open and open and open because I've brought in some of the best women I know to have this conversation. So let me introduce you to three women I love, I adore, I admire. I'm goo gaga over in every way. First, let me introduce you to my dear friend, Kelly Mahalik. You've heard her on the podcast before. Hi, Kel. Hello. Looking sexy as usual in that green hat. And Cass Coghill is here. Hi, Cass. Hi. Hi. And Sheva Sandage is coming to us from her tiny home in Texas. Hello, Shevis. Hi. It's so great to be here. I'm so happy to have you all here. Thank you for being so courageous and open and excited to have this conversation. In the spirit of can't make this shit up, I'm literally taping this from a closet. <laughs> I'm in the closet daily <laughs> because I'm in my parents, like I'm in the home I grew up in where I had this experience and all these conversations and was having sex with a girl without my parents knowing and all of that. And my dad with Alzheimer's needs to take a nap in the room where I usually work. And my son is downstairs taking a nap in another room I could work. So here I am in the closet and it's perfect. (laughs) So I shared my own story of the first moment of discovery for me into my own truth and identity. And I would love for each of you to share that piece of discovery for you. And then we can move the conversation in a million directions about our experiences and what we're proud of and what we struggle with and all of, all of it. But maybe we can just open with your discovery stories. Shavas, let me start with you. I want to first say that I identified um, as a young woman for probably about a decade and a half, maybe more as bisexual and um, at this point in my life, I identify as a lesbian. Um, and it's been my marriage to my wife that has shifted that entirely. Um, but going back to um, the beginning, I remember falling into this incredible, it's hard to say love because I was so young, but really falling for Jackie um, in fifth grade. And it was in many ways, I mean, it was so innocent, but it was so, um, it was so completely engaging. Um, I felt like we would, we would ride our bikes and we would have a story that we were on our way to the train station and we were going to Europe and um, it was misty and, you know, foggy. And I it was just, I mean, where did this stuff come from? But it wasn't just um, like, I wanted to kiss her. It, it was more about this dream of love and of romance and of mm. deep connection, a deep spiritual, uh, emotional connection. And I think back to those days and I, it, it still makes me really happy. And I, rem- I wonder if she remembers it, if she thinks about it. Um, I have notes here just because I'm, I'm a writer and I'm learning to become a speaker, but it helps me. So thank you um, for that space. Um, with girls and then later with women, I just always felt safe. I always 
have felt um, my whole self. And this, mm. and for me, these the emotional, spiritual um, dimension is has always been just such a turn on um, that I found that with with women with girls, you know, in high school um, was when I had my first relationship. Mm. And I will say that I didn't have words for what was happening to me because even at that point when, I mean, I, and I was going to a very, um, to an arts high school and it was very progressive, but I didn't, I knew so little about myself and about what it meant to um, to be a lesbian or to not be straight in any way, shape, or form. And I remember being invited to my teacher's home for back in the days when your high school teacher could invite you over all of your, you know, her whole class for an end of the year party. And someone came up to me, a friend of mine said, "Do, do you know that that Dr. Hatcher is is gay?" And I was like, "What?" Because I had just, I had seen that, you know, in going to the restroom, I'd seen they had, there were two bedrooms and it just, I just thought they were roommates. Mm. It did not hit me. I felt so naive. And um, anyhow, this incredible teacher, this beloved teacher who taught me English and writing was also um, showing me what it means to be a strong woman without even me having a name for it. The way she walked, the way she taught, you know, spoke and um, she was so empowered and um, just gorgeous. And, you know, she had a short, short hair and tall and lean and she walks strong, you know, it moved me um, to see a woman inhabit her body and inhabit the world with so much power and, and, and intelligence and spirit. Um, anyhow, once I understood that it, it started to help me have names for things. And then realizing that there were, there was a circle of girls around me because in, in, I knew who who was and wasn't, you know, or at least who presented as being um, something other than straight. But it was really, I can't believe it's embarrassing to even admit that I knew so little when I began um, high school. And then I realized that this was a whole world that was opening up to me. And it was a choice. It was an option to, mm. to fall in love with a girl and to mm. kiss a girl and to be with a girl and um, I'll just say that, that unfortunately this happy story ended, um, very unhappily in that when my mother found out, um, she forced me back into the closet Ugh. and it had huge implications for my life because at the time I was studying, I was studying writing with Dr. Hatcher at Houston's high school for performing in visual arts. And, um, when she found out it was a very violent reaction. So she, without going into the whole story, this is a huge, just jumping to the ending, but um, I really felt like, how can I write? What can I, without even having the words again, but I didn't know how I could go back to writing. And so I left the writing department that summer oh. and, I, and I went to the dance department, which was actually very healthy because I was able to dance and explore express and explore a healing relationship with my body that probably saved me. Um, but I was mute. So mm. I didn't, I didn't have to tell the story. I, I, I could dance the story and, and it could be any story. It could, um, so to speak, you know, I could, I could move through all of my emotions freely without fear of being censored or, um, 
judged, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I went back into the closet for a, a long time. Um, I mean, relatively speaking, and it was only jumping much later. It was only though, okay. In college. And as a young woman, I did have many relationships with, with women, um, many, like several, um, but it was only when later as a young mother that I had my first committed relationship with a woman, like a partner that I was writing again. I, I started writing again as part of that process. Um, it was like a so, home into your whole self. Oh, I have chills. Yes. I know. I so I, I got off my path for a couple of decades and that's why it, so I, I, I ended up going back and getting my master's degree in writing, and now I'm a writing teacher. I work with women specifically, um, and uh, it's just this delicious, beautiful part of my life. Um, but I've been called a late bloomer. It wasn't that I was a late bloomer. It was that I was forced, you know, I was forced to stop blooming and at least to pretend like I wasn't blooming. And, so, you know, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little behind. But <laughs> you are not, sister. I, I think I look at, you know, our generation was so different than a teenager today. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. my stepson was in yeah. high school, my stepson is 22 now. And when he was in high school, he dated everyone queer, mm-hmm. men, mm-hmm. women, trans. And it was. Mm-hmm. It, he didn't even have to come out of the closet. He didn't, it wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. It was just so, so, you know, I, what I hear in your story is just such tenderness and, and, and the trauma of our time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. For and I want to say with, with in all fairness to my mom is that um, she has totally, totally through the years evolved. And when she first met my wife, and I'll make this quick, but it's so joyful. When she first met my wife, um, like literally the first minutes, um, she, we were sitting down to table to the, to a table at a restaurant and she leaned over and she said, she's amazing. Don't screw this up. (laughs) (laughs) So I like to laugh at that. (laughs) So she, she loves my wife and has great oh, respect for her. Beautiful. Thank you, Shabbos, for sharing. Thank Cassie, you. I'm going to go to you. Okay. Yeah. So I guess the first time I really remember even thinking about the possibility of being queer was in probably like seventh grade. I think we were doing this thing where like all the girls would basically send each other love notes, but it was like, I thought it was just like friendly. (laughs) We would like pass notebooks around. It was this whole thing. So, um, and someone asked me if I was less, and it was weird because it was like, I went to a private school, but we went to the public school for like band or something. And so it was like one of the public school kids that was asking me like, are you a lesbian? And I was like, what? No. Like I thought it was so weird. I was like so confused because it had literally never occurred to me that it was even a possibility. I was like, I'm people always told me I was boy crazy when I was growing up, like adults and stuff. So I was like, what, how could I possibly me? No. Yeah. And then, you know, I just always dated and I, you know, whatever grew up without a dad. So I think there was part of me that was wanting to like, you know, sort of like 
almost like just displacing the desire for like masculine kind of, mm. you know, like nourishment and tension into like romantic relationships. But um, yeah, so it wasn't until I was like 19 that I realized like, oh, actually I'm bisexual. I like men and women. And so then I kind of was like open to dating whoever, but still mostly have only had serious relationships with men. But part of the reason why is because I always knew I wanted kids. And so I ended up getting pregnant when I was like 23. Hmm. I swear, I swear to God, the hormones, I was like, I want to say religiously straight, but it wasn't religious at all. But like, I was so completely straight for like, like six years, like both of my pregnancies all the way through breastfeeding. And it wasn't until I weaned my six-year-old when she was like three that I was like, oh, actually I am bisexual. That It was like this weird thing. Like, I don't know. And I mostly only wanted, you know, to be involved with their fathers. So I'm sure like, that's another reason why I'm like, it had to be hormones. But like, if I was thinking <laughs> they were traumatic experiences. So, and if I was thinking about not dating them, I was thinking about dating other men. I was not thinking about dating women. But then I, yeah, ended things with my six-year-old's dad a couple of years ago. And I had also had another pregnancy and um, that ended in a miscarriage. I kind of think it was an abortion, but I feel like um, it was more like, I felt like I just terminated it with willpower, but on paper, it was Mm -hmm. a miscarriage. They said the pregnancy wasn't viable. But after that, I was like, not wanting to get pregnant again ever. And so then I was like, I'm only dating women, you know? And so then for like two, basically, I guess it must've been longer. I think it was before I actually broke up with him that I like decided that for my, like almost a year before we actually broke up. So like, so then for like two years or maybe a little more than that, I was like, really identified as a lesbian. I was like, that was like, I just, I wanted to have children. That was the only reason I was interested in men. I'm actually a lesbian and I'm only going to date women now. Um, but there have been a couple of men who've come around and that made me feel like, okay, maybe I am just kind of interested in whoever. And also I just, when I think about, you know, like, like trans people that I might be interested in, like, it just makes sense to me to more, like, it's not really about, sex or gender. Like I just love humans, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I still, I know younger people would identify as pansexual in my shoes, but I'm of a generation where bisexual always meant that you were attracted to everyone. So (laughs) that's how I still identify, but either one kind of feels resonant. And sometimes queer is actually the thing that feels the most like comfortable mm-hmm. and the safest and the label that feels most like home mm-hmm. to me. Like just everything is fluid. Right. Cause it's like now mm-hmm. I'm bisexual and I can look back across my whole life and think, you know, yes, I've always been bisexual, but there have definitely been times where I was totally straight and times where I felt like I was totally gay. So mm-hmm. it, that queer really embraces the fluidity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah. Your tone of voice mm-hmm. and whole body, when you just said queer, it was like, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like mm-hmm. a coming. I felt it in your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Cass. And you really identify with, it's so funny. Your body was, we want children. I need a penis. 
<laughs> but I was like, all you were attracted to, and then I don't need that anymore, and now I'm attracted. And this fluidity. Yeah. Right? It's like, yes, we all say love is love, and 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 some people might find it trite, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. Thank you, Cass. How? Yeah, I'm with Cass in that I identify as a queer woman. Queer is the the word that feels most like home to me just because my story, which I'll share a little bit here, has involved so much change and so much fluidity that like we know for sure I'm not straight. And beyond that, I reserve the right to love who I want to love and have sex with who I want to have sex with and be attracted to whom I'm attracted to. And that could change or favor one identity or body type or, you know, any identifiers more so at one time than another. There have been times where, you know, I... I've kind of officially identified myself as bisexual since probably my early 20s when I had my first kiss with a girl, which I don't know if I should tell the story now or save it for later. (laughs) I don't know, but now my anticipation is... But that was the point where I was like, oh, wait a second. I maybe like this a little too much. Um, So like... From that point on, like, that's when I was like, okay, I'm bi. But then as I have grown and, you know, especially over the last couple of years, as I've identified and learned about things like compulsory heterosexuality, uh, which for people who don't know is essentially the cultural standard that straight cis identity is the only valid identity and so like there is really not like you're kind of forced into that box and not really given a lot of options to think outside of it and as somebody who is raised in a fundamentalist christian home and community and background anything but straight or the idea of marrying a man and having children in a family and playing traditional female gender roles was not available to me. That was just like a hard no. So in hindsight, looking back, right, it was always there. Mm. And, you know, I always struggled with relationships with women, the opposite of um, Shivas, who, who feel, who felt as though, you know, she always related more to women. I always felt but now I could probably label as some sort of gay panic. Um, but I always felt nervous around women I and, and girls. I didn't know how to act in friendships. Like I didn't know if it was okay to physically touch my girlfriends or hug them or lay with them or snuggle them or were they going to infer things. And I'm not, I'm just not convinced that like actual straight women are concerned that they're straight friends will think that like a hug or a snuggle or, you know, like a back scratch will be read the wrong way (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, but I was always so concerned about that. You know, when I got like my first Victoria's Secret catalog in middle school, 
to buy a bathing suit in, you know, at the age of, of 12 and was using it, you know, almost as a form of pornography to self-pleasure with and, and ogle at and drool over like that was not really straight behavior, <laughs> but because indication of number one, right? <laughs> indication number one, you fantasize <laughs> and masturbate to women. Like it should have been so obvious, but again, my religion and my culture did not allow that. So it was like, okay, that's just a sinful thought I'm having. So we just repent and then date men. Mm. So I consistently dated men, got married, settled Mm -hmm. down. Even when I started making out with and hooking up with girls, it was like this, the secret by bisexual part of me, because I, in the longest time, I very problematically identified as uh, bisexual, but homo romantic because it was like, oh, I'll fuck around with a girl, but I'd never be with her, which now I see so much problematicness in the sexualization of women and all that. But that was kind of like the way that I coped with all of the feelings I had was like, oh no, obviously like women are beautiful. Have you seen women? <laughs> like, why would you not want to just like, why would you not want to? Because like, have you seen women? But obviously- I'm going to marry a man and settle down and like have a family. And then that will be the end of that, except for in my private time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. Which like never ended, but that was just like a cultural thing. So when I really started unpacking that compulsory heterosexuality and those, that thing of like, what choices did I make? Because they were the only choice I felt I was allowed to make Mm -hmm. versus where my desires, where my own inclinations and intuitions and feelings and were leading me. That was when I got real confused. So I was bisexual. I was asexual. I was a lesbian. I I really kind of tried everything on. And at the end of the day, I felt most comfortable just saying, I'm a queer woman and Mm -hmm. I don't need to, for me, And I understand the importance for everyone to find their own word that feels the most home for them. But for me, it's like, well, like today I might be like, I might consider myself a lesbian because I have zero interest in dating men. But can I say with confidence that there would never be a man who could catch my attention ever in the world? Like, no, I don't know that. And I'm still, even at 40 years old, unpacking all of the the kind of dissonance between my own feelings from as early as you know middle school mm-hmm. up until now versus my culture and society and my religion and the way mm-hmm. i was raised that it's hard for me to put a clear parameter on it so for mm-hmm. me fear feels like the most freedom to just be so like how you said like Cass's whole body like relaxed Mm -hmm. when she said that that's how queer feels for me because it's like oh I just get to love who I love and want who I want and be with who I want to be with and I don't need to narrow it down to something super specific for other people's sake right 
Right. The whole idea of a label anyway, or naming it a name, Mm -hmm. you know, if we go back thousands and thousands of years ago, when people, there wasn't such a thing as marriage and a man owning a woman and all of that. Yeah. People just enjoyed their own bodies and sexual and sexuality and enjoyed each other. And there didn't need to be a label. And it's so many thousands of years ago that most people aren't even familiar that that was just what was mm-hmm. right. It's like the label where I think now and the hilariousness that I'm sitting in a closet <laughs> idea that we have to come out of some sort of closet because the assumption mm-hmm. at least in the way it sounds like all four of us grew up, it was presumed straight unless otherwise stated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that in our children, our children's generation, it's it's different. There's no mm-hmm. presumption except that you're going to love who you love and that's great. Yeah, I've really raged against the coming out thing for myself. Mm-hmm. I know that it's a really important step and they're really important conversations to have with the people that you love. But, you know, there is this thing where as a queer person, you have to come out Coming out isn't like a one-time event, right? When people tell their coming out story, they're usually talking about telling their parents or like Mm -hmm. the very most important people to them, right? right? Or that moment that kind of shifted from I'm hiding to like, now I'm not going to hide as much. But at the end of the day, you have to come out constantly all of the time because people will consistently assume that you are straight. Mm -hmm. And so in so many different things, whether it's at the doctor's office, right? Trying to explain to a doctor that you are sexually active, but there's no chance that you could be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. For your OB. <laughs> and they're like, but you said you're sexually active. And you're like, yes, but there is no possibility. I'm like, well, birth control is not effective. And you're like, I understand no possibility women. Right. Yeah. Like anything from like that to people you haven't seen in a long time to being in a relationship and running into a, a, you know, an associate or, a you know, somebody who you don't know very well, like out to dinner. There's just there's so many opportunities. And so for me, I kind of thought about the process just recently within the last couple of years of like, do I want to make some big show of coming out? And it just felt so it felt like it was for other people so that other people could understand me and my journey as opposed to for me. For Mm -hmm. me, it felt more stressful than it felt freeing. And the Mm -hmm. thing that felt better for me was not coming out to all the straight people so that they could understand that I was different, but rather coming into community and moving into immersing myself more and more into Mm -hmm. queer culture and queer community. And like Mm -hmm. that, like leading more and moving towards being more in queer community as opposed to setting myself apart from straight people Mm -hmm. felt like the gentler and the more like the more transformational for me because it really was about me and my process of self-discovery and ownership of myself as opposed to what any of the other people in my life thought about it. Mm. (laughs) It was just so beautiful and profound mm-hmm. as usual, Cal. It's not about coming out to other people. It's about coming in. Yeah. Right. Into community and into ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be so curious to hear 
um, from the others about quote unquote coming out because I, I don't I don't think I officially have. Meaning, like, no, I mean, I my mom now knows that I'd been in a relationship with a woman, but I haven't said. And it might happen again. And by the way, even though Josh and I are together, unless she listens to the podcast, then she would know. Even though Josh and I are together, there is a level of openness in our relationship. And so I have fooled around with women. And But I think it's not because I need to say it. It's what you just said, Kel. Like, it just is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. I have a funny story about this, actually. Yeah. So I came out for the first time ever that I, on purpose, that I thought of as coming out, like just like a year ago. And I wasn't even really meaning it to be like, I'm coming out as though you guys all didn't know, but it was coming out day. And I saw that it was coming out day. And so I made this post and I was like, in honor of coming out day, like, here's a bunch of information about my experience with gender and sexuality, you know? And the comments were like... (laughs) A lot of people that I've known for a long time really experienced that as me coming out to them for the first time. Like, and I was like, you guys didn't know. I'm I'm sorry. Like, I just assumed everyone knew. Like, I, obviously, like, weren't you there in middle school when all this happened and they said that they thought I was? And yeah. I mean, I did assume people might be confused with the fluidity just because I was so straight for a while there with the child rearing and everything but yeah it was really funny to me how Mm -hmm. uh how much people appreciated that Mm -hmm. straight people and queer people I think queer people more they were like oh okay like I they didn't know that (laughs) I think they knew they were like pretty safe with me but didn't know that like oh okay I'm one of you you're one of me we're like the community thing, like Kelly said. So that was really interesting for me to see the way that people responded to that. Cause I just was like, like it was very casual for me. And I feel like other people thought it was like this huge thing. (laughs) Right. Sending you balloons and everything else. (laughs) I thought she seemed really passionate for an ally. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thanked for attending pride. (laughs) Oh, wow. Are you like, well, how did you not know every year on pride I'm showing up in my rainbow and like, you know, here's pictures of me. So, you know, Shevis, what about you? And well, said your mom didn't accept for a long time. And no. And, you know, I, I, I want to comment on the question of passing, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a cisgender woman and um, a lesbian and, a femme, very much a femme. I have always been a femme. I Which, love, by the way, if people don't know what that means, it, it means well, you look I, very feminine and girly. I appear, I present very feminine. I look feminine and um, it is so who I am. It is uh, deep in me. And um, so because of that, there's this privilege it is a privilege to pass. It's also a curse. Mm. And so I'm thinking about all the privilege. There's, you know, the white privilege, the cis privilege, the passing um, privilege because I'm femme. Um, but interesting that, for example, if I'm walking down the street with my wife, they will look at her and they will, s- some people will see a gay woman. Some people will see more androgynous woman. Um, but the minute I take her hand, I'm out. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I lose that privilege and, um, and which I don't want. It's like I said, it feels more like a curse because I have to constantly come out to people every, all the time, every day, a phone call dealing with um, health insurance, you know, who's the spouse? It's my wife, you know? Um, yes. Her name is Vivian. Shevis is, is, is a, you know, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. I have to explain because a lot of times they assume that I'm I'm the man because the name is different, and that um, I'm a man married to a, a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about you know, like um, you're calling, um, you know, phone to company. deal with bureaucracy. Yeah, the phone company, whatever. And you know, sometimes it's really uncomfortable, and sometimes it's actually intimidating. There have been there have been times when we felt like. I don't know. Oh my God. I have to, Oh, right. Like I have to admit that I'm queer, that I'm a lesbian. Like, and here's a situation where I might not get, um, I don't know. Could this affect our ability to get a loan for, for, Mm -hmm. you know, a house, um, that kind of question. So I'm, I'm really fascinated by the whole question of coming out. I've never, never formally come out. I've just had to do it again and again, sometimes every day, sometimes more than once in a day, my whole life. And, um, but I'm trying to transform that into, in, 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 in my marriage. Um, and our anniversary was just the other day, um, on loving day and by chance. Um, yeah, I guess I just want to say that um, because I'm so joyful and so happy and so met in this marriage that it's helped me tremendously because there's, I, I just want to share my joy. And, um, you know, this is a great part of my life. Not, not something to be like, Ooh, how is this going to change the dynamic? Um, or even having a thought about it. That's the thing. Even if there's no question, I mean, cause I've never hid I do not hide the fact consciously, intentionally, except for one time when it had to do with a loan from a bank, you know, in the, in the very beginning of, of that conversation. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And that it's, I think it's so important that the, it's, it's like a coming out all the time, right? You're talking to a, a different mass phone bank and it's coming out all the time. And what you just shared had to be so hard that you hid it for a loan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it like breaks my heart, makes me so mad all at the same time. Yeah, this was a long time ago, but um, it was a yeah. It just felt like ah, wow, there you have it. And um, and there are other times when, for my safety, um, I have been thoughtful about. Mm-hmm. who I said what to that kind of thing. But, um, but that's about safety and that's part of our lives too, as uh, queer women, LGBTQ folks in general. But anyhow, I just really appreciate this conversation because I appreciate the fact that there's so much joy and discovery in it. Um, and it's, it's, it really is um, a complex subject and uh and I think a hard one. I was nervous to have this conversation. I would, I've never had this conversation in a formal kind of public manner. And it feels like an incredible gift. So thank you. And mm. yeah, thank you to each of you for all your sharing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, Beautiful I really stories. knew when it, you know, looking at every year for Pride Month, I've been very intentional about my episodes. Mm-hmm. 
And Mm -hmm. I really knew I wanted this to be an open conversation because this isn't about some expert out there. It's about each of us in here. You know, and even listening to you, I'm remembering that my first experience was actually when I was in second grade. Mm-hmm. A little friend of mine, Nicole, I won't give her last name in case people know her out there and she doesn't feel like me sharing this story. But I remember us setting up um, her gymnastics uh, mats. They were like big and tall. And we just went inside of those mats and took off our clothes and just were curious, right? <laughs> And I actually mm-hmm. think it's so natural. Mm-hmm. No matter how someone ends up when they're 45 mm-hmm. or 35 or 55 in their, you know, identifying or who they have sex with or who they love, it's just so natural. And I appreciate this conversation of bringing in the, the naturalness, if that's the word, yeah. of it mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that earlier too, because I told that story about the first time I had considered it was when somebody asked me in seventh grade, but I had had plenty of experiences (laughs) with girls throughout my childhood, just Mm. experimenting and exploring and, you know, because it's just what children do, I think, but it never would have occurred to me even if I was doing those things with another girl, that that would make it gay. Like, I don't like it just like, right. Even, you know, compute in my brain that way. Right. And I was more like Kelly where I was more like, because I think it had that second grade experience. I think then when I went into sixth grade and we were in the locker room, it was like, wait, am I, where am I supposed to look? Are they going to think that I am? But then I really, it was like, I squashed that down. So by the time that, my, you know, in high school, my ex-girlfriend said, I love you. It, it was like so squished down as an impossibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it feels so much better to say, no, it's all a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Can I jump in for one second? Because um, one thing that I really wanted to say is that even though I've gone in my life from identifying as bisexual to identifying as a lesbian, I've always loved and adored and appreciated men. And, um, and I've had some beautiful relationships with, mm. with men. And I'm so grateful for all of that. It's not, it's not a rejection of men. It's a, it, it, for me, it has been more about like what brings me the most fullest joy on every level, sexually, emotionally, spiritually. And I have to admit that, you know, there's a huge difference and I don't miss being with men. If something happened and for some reason, um, I don't know, you know, just like if, 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 if I, if I'm just, there's no, there's no example that makes sense to me. So that's why I'm stumbling here. But, um, but if it came down to like not being able to be with, um, my wife, um, ever again, or women ever again, I would, it'd be like losing the air that I breathe, losing mm. sunshine, it, it would be a tremendous loss. And that's when I realized that it helped me to understand the depth of my, my connection to women and, um, and to just embrace that and love it. But it's not necessarily a rejection of men. Um, it's just, there's no comparison. And I hate, I mean, not that I hate to, say, hate to say it. Yeah. It's your, everybody gets their truth. It's beautiful. It's my truth. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, Sheva shared about the struggle with, you know, the loans or the people at the phone company. And I'm curious if either of you has, you know, any stories that you would want to share of any place where it's struggle, or maybe it's the opposite of a place where it's like, you've had this glorious experience of sharing your truth. Hmm. Yeah, I can share a little bit. You know, I think that's something that was really huge for me growing up. And part of the reason why I just didn't even really entertain the option that even though there were so many very clear signs that I was queer, the reason why I like was able to really compartmentalize and like put my flag in the ground of like my, my true deeper straightness that I like was really wanting to stay boxed in with and like ignore or explain away all of like the signs of queerness was, you know, because I was in fundamentalist evangelical Christianity in the late, you know, in the nineties, the height of purity culture, the height of conversion camps, Mm -hmm. um, and coming out could have, and would likely have resulted in getting kicked out of my home and like excommunicated from my family, like disowned or being sent away to be like made straight. And that was like a very common thing in the culture was like, you just like the gay kids just disappeared for six months and then came back engaged Mm -hmm. to someone of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, so there is a literal like physical threat to my well-being that made me go like, oh no, like what we do in private is what we do in private, but forward facing, we will be straight and we will be very straight and only straight. Mm -hmm. And so that like unknowingly was something that was really difficult, you know, and then you know, as I grew up and kind of like came to with my own identity and everything, you know, it went from, you know, making out with girls at the bar after two, you know, after too many tequilas (laughs) with all the boys cheering you on and asking you to do it again. So then it was like, oh, now I get affirmed for this and I like it. And the boys think it's hot. So then I was kind of getting rewards all around, right? And, you know, but even as recently as a few months ago, I was on a date with a woman and we went out to dinner and we had a really nice time and we were walking back to our cars, but we decided we were going to take like the long way around the block to the parking lot instead of just going out the back door, just so we could have mm-hmm. a couple extra minutes to talk. And we cut through an alleyway between buildings, like a cute little alleyway. And we stopped for a kiss and we were in like the gayberhood. So I thought that it, you know, it was pretty safe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a man walked through the alley and started harassing us, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just making really inappropriate comments that immediately we were like, okay, let's go make out in the car (laughs) because like it didn't feel safe to just be out in the open. And we were supposed to be, you know, we were in the neighborhood 
that is, you know, is known as the gayborhood where, where it should have felt safer than any of the other neighborhoods. And, you know, so it's like been varying degrees of like harassment that like, you don't know if it's just like some guy being a dick Mm -hmm. saying some dumb shit or like, is he going to hurt you? Yeah. Right. To, you know, the really, the deeper things, like I said, going back where a lot of the fear of coming out or even entertaining the idea that I was queer, you know, could have cost me a roof over my head or could have gotten me sent away to conversion camps and things. So there have definitely over my lifetime been moments of pain and fear. And, you know, it's not, I like, I love the joy. Mm-hmm. I love queer joy and I love talking about the beauty mm-hmm. and the expansiveness and just how good and like Chavez said, how different it is and how it's like, you can't even compare it. But the reality is, is that there's pain and hurt and fear that goes along mm-hmm. with it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so sorry that happened to you, Cal. Me too. And I think we all probably like hold our breath a little bit whether it's going to a quote unquote gay bar or it is going to pride or it's like Mm -hmm. holding hands or having a kiss. There's, you know, even something as silly as on Twitter, I just finished the Ted Lasso finale and you wouldn't believe, or maybe you would, how many people are on Twitter saying how unnecessary it was for them to bring in the political conversation of gayness with the characters. And it was like, this is not a political conversation and this is not unnecessary. Mm-hmm. When you have a cast of 35 people, chances are some of them are going to be queer. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it's hard. Like, it's just, it's still in 2023. Yeah. There are people who hate, right? Or who want to intimidate. Or you look at what's happening, you know, in Target, white terrorists Mm -hmm. with guns going into Target, if any of you haven't heard this, and because they're carrying rainbow clothing Mm -hmm. and pride clothing, and then Mm -hmm. some Target stores actually taking the clothing out. And it's like, no, we cannot change because of terrorists. And it's scary to our very lives, right? Yeah. And I know I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a lucky one. Cause like you, Chavis, I pass in a million ways, especially because I'm married to a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cass, what are you thinking? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I was actually going to bring up too, like the passing conversation, it gets even bigger when you're bisexual, because then anytime you're in a relationship with man, with a man, the assumption is that you're straight anywhere you go, anytime anyone sees you anywhere, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. I actually, Josh was part of my coming out fully, if I had a coming out story or my, I should say Josh was part of my full acceptance because it was like our fourth date. And I remember exactly we're at an outdoor table in the neighborhood in Philadelphia. And he told me about his experiences with all different sorts of people, mm-hmm. with men, orgies, you name it. <laughs> and I was like, you too? Okay. <laughs> this is a dude I can like connect with you know yeah and he was the first man who made me feel like it was okay and Mm -hmm. safe to be who I was 
And at a time when I hadn't yet fully owned who I was. Yeah. And it was like that safety. I hadn't ever felt that safety with a man before. And it was like, okay, well, you know what? This is my moment to really own the fullness of myself. Yeah. Yeah. So we obviously there's so it's like we're like, yeah. There's so much we could dive into. And I know that we've been at, we've been connected for an hour. We've been chatting for an hour. So let me ask you this, maybe as kind of a closing question. What is it that you want every woman listening to know? Hmm. Kel, first thought. My first thought was just like, don't judge Mm. not only others, right. In making, you know, we've talked about passing and things like that and like what judging and making assumptions about other people based off of the snippets that you're seeing. Right. Even though like I've been working really hard at not passing. So like, I'll ask my, I've got a high schooler and I'll be like, do I look gay? (laughs) (laughs) And she'll be like, nothing about this outfit says straight woman. You are good. <laughs> I'm like intentionally oh, trying the- to look gayer. Yeah. Knowing <laughs> you the last few years, like, cause we only became, we're such good friends. We only became friends a couple of years ago and seeing you on that journey. Like mm-hmm. I, I love seeing you yeah. look as gay as whatever that is. Femme, and I'm always going to be some, but like, I want to be like clearly queer femme. <laughs> right. Um, and so, uh, right. Like even just like, whether it's judging other people based on how they dress or what they look like or what they're, you know, their how long their nails are. Like, there's so many things that are, mm-hmm. that we like look to, to make assumptions about people, but also about yourself. Mm. Right. Cause I just made so many assumptions about myself and, or even like, didn't make assumptions and just kind of blindly did things. Cause that was what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And if there's parts of you that you've walled off or that you've said like, well, but that's okay in this context, mm-hmm. but I could never be that openly. I could never let that be like an integrated part of me. It just mm-hmm. gets to be this like secret side note, like don't mm-hmm. judge yourself there might be something to that and Mm. in my experience Mm. it's been so much more freeing and I've been more accepted and more loved than like I ever could have Mm. imagined Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that is because I decided to stop judging myself Mm. and because I just decided that I was worthy of love and that I got to get that love from the person or the people that I meant to love. And that's changed my community. It's changed Mm. who I date and am in relationships with. It's Mm. changed so much of my life. And I can say that even though there are those difficult moments and there are those fears. It's been overwhelmingly 
beneficial and a a good experience that has only enhanced my life and made it better to own that part of myself. Um, And it's Mm. definitely been 100% worth it because there's nothing more healing than just being yourself. So whether it's you or someone you love, a child, a sister, a friend, like releasing the judgment and just letting yourself or whoever you love be who they are, like there's nothing more healing, more freeing, and more joyful. Mm-hmm. Thanks, sister. Thank you. Mm. Cass, what do you want every woman listening to know? Gosh, I mean, I'm kind of in the same page as Kelly. Like I, the first thing that came to mind when you asked that was just like, it's okay to be your whole self and exactly Mm. who you are, like no matter what that looks like. And also, yeah, just like having grace with yourself because of all the ways that you might have denied or cut off or rejected bits and pieces or hidden or camouflaged or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, because of the way that society approaches who we're supposed Mm -hmm. to be, or, you know, how we're supposed to do relationships, even what's normalized. Like, I think it's so common. Like we, I was going to bring up this phrase earlier, the ally to queer pipeline. (laughs) Cause it's like, you can even know that you support mm-hmm. people's right to be queer. Like you can be mm-hmm. against the idea of, you know, society oppressing that and still mm-hmm. have this be completely oblivious to the fact that that might be you because it's just like so normalized and so woven into the fabric of our society that there's this like normal way of doing things and everything else is like othered. And so to identify as the other, is like, I mean, it happens differently for everyone, I guess. And sometimes maybe that's not, you know, how it is for you, especially if you grow up in a place, you know, where a family that's really supported. Like, I think my kids are like, like my, my nine-year-old, she uses she, they pronouns and she identifies as non-binary and she used to identify as lesbian and now she's bisexual. She's never kissed a person or like had it. She has no idea what that means, but I'm like, okay, good. This is, I like that this all is like normalized for you. (laughs) you know, but for so many of us, it wasn't. And so it's definitely, it can be a journey and a process. And I think it's been a huge thing. I don't Mm -hmm. know why or how, but I feel like the pandemic had this Mm -hmm. impact on society that a lot of people realized they were queer Mm -hmm. just over the past few years who had Mm -hmm. never even considered it before, Mm -hmm. which I think is like so fascinating. And I think Mm -hmm. that that Hmm. It's scary, everything that's happening politically, but like, in spite of that, I do kind of feel like it's a good time. Hopefully we'll manage, hopefully we'll handle all that. (laughs) I feel Uh like it's a good time to be queer. Yeah. It's a good time to own who you are. Thank you for sharing all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't know that about the pandemic. (laughs) You're really making me think, but it makes sense. Everyone was home thinking. Yeah. Right. There was like a lot of like yeah. introspection and thinking and maybe finally in a lot of ways, right. My work around helping women live their purpose, boom, like skyrocketed during the pandemic because people are like, I didn't like that job anyway. So what do I really yeah. want to do? And, you know, so it's really, really interesting. And you also just, you both brought up something really interesting about your kids. 
Mm. All of us have kids here, right? And so being totally open that because someone identifies as queer or lesbian or gay, it doesn't mean that they don't have kids and that, and and how freaking qualified we all are to raise kids who are open-hearted and are going to be good citizens, you know, just good humans. So, so much there. Thank you. Yeah. It's really been like such a crazy experience to raise my kids in such a different school of thought when it comes to queerness than I was raised in and allowing them space to figure out who they are, to try different identities on, to play with different pronouns and respect the pronouns that they want. Even if the next day they decide they want different pronouns to call them by different chosen names, even if in two weeks, they're going to have a new chosen name and not be offended by that and let them explore Mm -hmm. and figure it out and try it on. And yeah, like a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old doesn't have to know who they are. And I know that like some, there's some kind of like commentary from a negative side. That's like, Oh, kids these days, they're always changing their pronouns. They're one day they're marigold. The next day they're sunset, right. In a way that's demeaning to kids. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, because they don't know who they are because they are kids and they need to try things on and they need to experiment and see how things feel. And from the ally to queer pipeline of my own. Like I said, I was an ally, then I was bisexual, then I was asexual, then I was like, is there such a thing as autosexual? And I'm like, oh, wait, no, I'm just a Leo. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, am I a lesbian? No, wait, I'm back to bisexual. Wait, am I omnisexual, like pansexual? Like, what is the thing? What's the word? Like, I'm just trying to figure out my own thing. And I'm, in, you know, I did this in mostly in my late thirties. And so if I take that so much time and so much trying on of labels and things to figure it out in my late thirties, how does that feel when you're 12, 13, 15, 17? And so, but like, it has been really such an honor and a joy to watch like my teenagers and their friends. Mm -hmm play with pronouns and sexuality and dating and kissing and, and Mm. names and things like that to really just like, and to feel safe enough to ask for the respect of this is what I go by now, even knowing that it might change and giving Mm. them that permission that they don't have to have it all figured out and that it's okay to experiment and try things on. And it's just like such a cool thing to witness this like generation of kids do it so openly and unashamed and so confidently as opposed to like, who is like, oh no, just masturbate to the scrambled boobs (laughs) under the scrambled (laughs) showtime. in secret, right? right? But because, Literally like, Victoria's secret. Right. Because you might get sent <laughs> to like an impatient therapy boot camp to de-gayify you. <laughs> like just such a wide thing. And I just I think that that's part of why like Gen Z is so fucking cool. So cool. Is because they are like, they just have really been like, we're gonna be who we are. And like yes, yes. yes. So cool. Yeah. 
well, I mean, this, we all experimented on this call. We just did it in secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not telling people and in shame. Mm-hmm. So it's really no different, right? Like on this call, we each shared that we experimented and we tried on things. We just hit it or felt like it, you know, felt like it wasn't okay. And Cal, I'm thinking about your kids. Your kids have gone on the spectrum of seeing you as Christian mommy blogger. <laughs> <laughs> now that's where my shame comes in. <laughs> I used to be a Christian mommy blogger. (laughs) You're out of the closet. (laughs) You just outed my most shameful secret. It was a part of my journey for sure. But yeah, they saw me from Christian mommy blogger all the way to like, you know, they're super excited to go to Pride on Saturday with me. You know, they're planning their rainbow outfits and things. And it's cool. It's so great. Ah, mama. Good job. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I mean, that's really where our kids learn is from us. Yeah. yeah. Chavis, what about you? What do you most want women listening to know? Yeah, I want to, I want to, I'm hoping that my internet connection will be stable enough so I can complete this thought, but um, if not, I'll be back uh, shortly. So I want to share that in addition to the pandemic, because um, I was thinking about what you were talking about. And one thing that occurs to me is that any sort of crisis on a cultural mm-hmm. community country level, it, a lot of people re- have been reevaluating their lives and changing their lives. Um, and it reminds me of a dear friend of mine who is uh, who's in the process of transitioning and um, she is a trans woman and just recently, relatively recently, I think it was last August, came back from Kiev in the Ukraine where she had been teaching in economics, uh, um, basically uh, bringing together the subjects of democracy and economics. And in the process, she was surrounded by people who have been in war and people who have just... She felt like everyone was around her was choosing to really live fully in one way or another, and that like not knowing what would come the next day, choosing to live fully in that day. And that was when she felt like she could no longer pretend that she wasn't trans feminine is one of the terms that she uses. And So when she came back to this country after that experience, she decided to to come out to herself fully and then has been in this process of coming out to uh, friends, colleagues, and family. And it it just really struck me that when we don't know how much time we have left and we are living for today, we're enjoying this meal and we are dancing, you know, because we are wanting to be fully alive in the moment, whatever that means for us, that um, it's really hard to then conceal a huge part of yourself from yourself, you know, or even from the world. And I was just thinking too about desire and how, how, I mean, for women, the original sin, according to Christianity, um, according to the old Testament, I would say is that, um, that, it was Eve's desire that led humankind 
uh, down the wrong path, you know, out of the Garden of Eden. It was desire, desire, pleasure, joy, um, sensuality, and a longing for more, mm. you know, and, and the connection between desire and knowledge is really interesting to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have lived our whole lives. I have lived my whole life with this knowledge that something about my desire, about women's desire was dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, being raised in a very religious um, context um, didn't help. It just got drilled so deeply into my psyche. And so much of what I, in terms of that idea of sharing the message for anyone watching, um, however you identify, um, that it's worth it. It's worth it to follow your desire and your true feelings, your true sensations. I have no regrets. I've given up so much, but I have no regrets. I'm watching my friend transition and becoming her full self in this world. And I know that she has no regrets, even though she's suffering as well and, and mourning the loss, for example, of the support of family members that she cares about. Yeah. Mm. And lastly, I know a lot of women who had a choice and who, who, who identified, who told me that they identified um, as lesbian or bisexual. And then they made a choice to be in a relationship because, and they've said, because they felt it would be a better life and better for their children. They wanted children. And so, you know, they, they chose to give up part of themselves to be with, you know, in a, in a traditional heterosexual relationship. And I just think it's so important to, if I could go back and talk to myself when I was a young woman married to a man with a child and really, you know, kind of, lost. Um, even though he knew I was bisexual, I reminded my mother every year and friends close to me and so forth. But still, um, I felt I was missing something. And it was it was a loss. And I would just say to that young woman that, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to explode your life the way I did. But to be honest with yourself, to know yourself, to listen to your desire and allow it um, even if it's just on this level of having conversations with your therapist, your family, friends, that people you can trust so that yeah. you're fully out to yourself, that that is the most important thing. And from that, all things are possible. But living a lie, like trying to lie to yourself as I was for so long, or, or just not having the conversation with myself, not really looking what I I feel like I was asleep in many ways and that when I began to wake up, I began to fully inhabit my body and my life and, and it, it altered also my, even my career, um, my career path and my relationship with my child in so many ways. It's, it's been just the most incredible gift I gave to myself. Thank you, Shabbos. And I love that you're still in the closet, Karen. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, physically. I just heard my mom come home. She's been out and about or something. And she just came home and she was like, hello, you know, coming through. And I said, I, I just texted her. I'm taping a podcast in your closet, ironically, <laughs> about being gay. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, 
I'm just so appreciative to the three of you mm. and appreciative to all of you who are listening. This may go down as the longest podcast episode I've had, and <laughs> I am grateful mm. as it should be. Yeah. Because what we're talking about here, you know, sometimes my brain will go down these ridiculous rabbit holes of like reading right wing responses to Instagram and Twitter. I don't know why. And when I see these haters out there and like how we're messing our kids up, you know, I, I, when Shay wants his, his fingernails painted, I paint them. I don't think, well, you're a boy and you're not, you know, it's like, so there's so much out there about how a conversation like this, we're, we're forcing our kids to be gay or something. And if only these conversations had happened when I was in high school, you know, you know I carried so much shame and so much confusion. I also carried so much joy and didn't tell anybody. Mm. I didn't even tell my therapist. My mom sent me to therapy. She knew something was up with me, but I wouldn't even tell my therapist. Mm-hmm. Her name was Lisa. I told people I was dating a boy named Lee who went to a different high school. Like it was so messed up because if these conversations had happened, I could have felt okay in myself. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until my forties that I started to just feel okay. And I, I didn't even know I was hiding something. It's not like I would secretly go take that Victoria's Secret catalog and read it in the bathroom, you know? I, and it's not even like I'm attracted. I'm not attracted to most women I see. It's just like men. I'm not attracted to most men I see. You know, there's that question like, can I go into the locker room? Yes, because, you know, it's not like that. But the moment that I said to myself, it's okay that I also love women. And one day I might end up with a woman. Like just that just mm-hmm. it just gave me a peace inside mm-hmm. yeah i think that's what we're talking about here is just being honest with yourself and allowing your children your friends the world have the space to be honest with themselves so that they can have mm-hmm. peace yeah and we all deserve that peace and the more mm-hmm. we all have that peace then we can all have that joy and the more we each have peace and joy within ourselves and we then allow everyone else to have peace and joy within themselves We'll be happy and we won't need all those stupid guns and we won't need all these stupid wars and everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the four of us have just solved world peace. <laughs> and that feels fucking good for a day. <laughs> I love you all so much. I, I want to also add that each of these women is an incredible healer and leader and coach and teacher in her own right. And we didn't even talk about their incredible gifts. And so I want to encourage everybody to go to the show notes and to be able to link into each one of you. And maybe if each of you could just give a sentence about what you do in the world. So people can, if they're like, I got to know more about her, Cass, a sentence about you in the world and where people can find you. Yeah, I'm a healer and a witch and a priestess, and I have a company that's called Infinite Genesis, which Mm. feels like an expansive space for healing. And um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. It's Cassandra Coghill. There'll be links, Mm -hmm. I think. Yes, all the links are in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) And you're definitely going to want to follow her because the witchy shit she posts is just like every fucking time it's on, it's spot on every single post. 
Great. Moving to my next switch, Kel. Um, yeah, so I am a deconstruction and embodiment coach, and I really mostly help women to pull back and out of the traditional kind of status quo ways we do things, whether that's business, capitalism, you know, mm-hmm. our own relationships to productivity and worthiness and rest, our identities, our sexuality, the choices we make for ourselves and find the ways that are actually true to us, find ways to create and build lives and make money and create Mm -hmm. relationships and really truly live that is what we really want, not just like following the path miserably and Mm -hmm. unconsciously. And so I'm all here for less work, more living, more Mm -hmm. money, more freedom, more being who you are in all of the ways and just more joy in general. Um, So you can find that stuff like on my website or my Instagram. My TikTok is a whole which will be linked to is a whole other monster because that's just where I talk about Taylor Swift and being gay uh, <laughs> and also Taylor Swift being gay. So uh, <laughs> she talks about Taylor Swift. She talks about being gay and she talks about Taylor Swift being gay. <laughs> yeah. So it's more of just like me and my like ADHD special interests. Um, which is obviously Taylor Swift and being gay. What other interests can you have? It's so good. And you you definitely, definitely want to follow her in all the places. Like you ever want to like an Instagram that's about like just like being and instead of hot girl summer, being in like peaceful selfness. You want right. to like, let's just, and- like lay down on the forest floor and melt into the moss and become one with the mycelial network. Like that's yeah. my Instagram. Right. And, and then, then if you want like is like, you know, did what was actually happening between Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss all those years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and amazing, amazing dancing and singing and everything else about being gay totally want to talk her out (laughs) Shevis let's go to you I'm a writer and I'm an educator I work with women very specifically and my goal is to amplify and support the voices of women in in that process changing the conversation um, as women rise up uh, with their stories and um, their truths and their perspectives and really start to participate um, in the larger conversation. And, you know, I right now, because of the pandemic, um, I began, I'd always taught my workshops in person. And um, after the pandemic, I or during the p- pandemic, I shifted to Zoom and I didn't know if it could hold the intense work that I do with women, if it would even be possible and it has been incredible, very profound and powerful. Um, I've been teaching writing workshops for women since 2006. And right now I'm, I've begun doing a lot more coaching, um, consulting, editing, working individually with women um, and working with them like as a private editor as well as just you name it. I like, um, like tailoring tailoring sessions so that women can learn and get the information that they need and not have to fit into a program or a workshop. Um, So I'm excited to be editing 
starting to edit two memoirs for two different women mm. and, um, and then supporting another and writing a nonfiction book about democracy. And, and I personally am a poet with um, my background is in poetry, essays and um, nonfiction. And so, and I'm writing a memoir and a book about um, hate crime, actually, what a, a crime that I believe was a hate crime and uh, violence against women, girls, and LGBTQ folks. Um, so that's a very important part of um, my my research and work and writing right now as well. They're incredible. And people can find you. We will have the links to all the places. Mm-hmm. So we all need to write our story and share our story. I just, I see women, their lives change in doing this work again and again and again. And, um, and sometimes it's in big ways, like, you know, choosing to change their lives, choosing to leave a marriage, choosing to marry, choosing to move, to relocate, et cetera. And, and I'm not saying it's all about the work, but that through the work of writing that we, we discover and rediscover ourselves and it's, it goes back to that idea of having an honest, honest conversation with yourself. And there's no censor in the room. There's no editor, but to actually hear yourself, hear the, hear the story rising up out of you, to hear yourself thinking, to track those thoughts and um, explore the stories that are rising up through you and allowing them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what that's exactly what this is all about. So good. I love you all so much. Mm-hmm. I love each and every one of you. Mm-hmm. I love us together. I'm just like so grateful and so in awe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank to each you. Of you. Thank you. To all of you for being You're so like an angel right now. In the, I'm an in the closet angel. The light. There's, <laughs> there's, like, light. Light. Yeah. Yeah, there's like these radiating streams. Yes. Like, oh my God. That's so good. We got to capture it. I light in her closet. It's been like, <laughs> but I just couldn't let us get off the call without saying (laughs) thank you sister oh my god I love it (laughs) thank you all and thank you all for listening thank you yes all of you listening thank you thank you thank you we hope you loved this conversation as much as we loved having it and we welcome you to continue the conversation by sharing this episode and having the conversation with yourself first and foremost sharing the episode with everyone you know so that each and every person you know also opens their own heart to themselves and to everyone out there. That is how we change the world one woman at a time. You, of course, can mm-hmm. go over and join the Woman Rising Facebook group. It's freaking on fire now that we've made all the changes. Mm-hmm. And you can find me over on Instagram at Karen Rockhind and on TikTok because Kelly manages it at The Woman Whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.